0: Begin the current da'b, base. Begin on the top line of the Amid, but the Gemara continues the discussion in the previous stuff. That is, the Gemara had opened up the 10th parak, by saying the following halacha. If someone robbed and he feeds that what he robbed to his children, or even if he dies and he leaves it over for his children, so the halacha is that the children are beturm melasham. They're exempt from paying that up. Now, Ram B'khaman makes the following inference. How could it be, even if you say that there's Yish, but Yish Kadi is not kainah. Just having Yish is not kainah, as we see that the father who stole is not exempt. So how is it that the Yershim, the inheritors, if left the Hineich name, if the theft is still there, are they exempt from paying back? So says Rav Moshe. What you can infer is that Rishus Yerush Kishus that the, the the domain of inheritors is like not that of Karadavu, as if they're an extension of the father, but rather like a different domain. So then you have not only Yish, but you also have, meaning not only that the owner give up hope, but you also have Shini Rishos to change domains that removes it from the gospel. And therefore, even though it's still extant, they don't have to go ahead and return it. Which Rava disagreed. And he says, no, you could even say Rishos Yerosh is love Rishos Lekech. And it gives a whole different interpretation in the Mishnah that Hidnik Lefneim is that when he died, he left it in front of them. But after he died, then the children ate it up. And then that's why they're going to be exempt as we explained in the previous stuff. Now that Digimara says that Rav Adabar Ava, he taught this halacha of Rav that he inferred that Rishus Yerish is like Rishus Oblikeach, not the same domain as the one who bequeathed it to the inheritors. He learned it on a different halacha in the following b'risa. The b'risa says, A different case, after father passed away and he left over to his children, ribis money, meaning money that he made from lending on interest. Avapish and Shein Ribbis, says the Bryce, even though they know that this is forbidden money, it's money that was made on interest, and they don't have to return it to the guy that this guy had lent it to and made on Ribbis. Now, on this, Halacha, Omar Rabbi is regarding this that Rabbi Chameh had said, Oh, from this you could say, Yerush, must be that the domain of the Yerush is not like Dershos Lekech, because it is like Dershos Lekech, like a different domain, because it was the same thing as their father, just like he has a responsibility to return what he had taken on interest because it's forbidden money so they would have to obviously because we see it as different that it changed domains it's only from the guy that was lent to that you have to go ahead and return it but when it reaches to a different party, a third party they don't have that obligation anymore it must be that the rishos of the yershim is like the rishos now it was regarding this that Rabbi um, HaMah disagreed and he says no I can really tell you that the yershim are not like l'yichim, they're not like a different domain so then, why don't they have to return the interest money just like their father if they're considered the same domain as their father? Is because here it's different because the Amakra, it's exerce a which the Pasuk says in Meyikra, it says, Don't take money of, made on interest, which the Pasuk there concludes in Meyikra, you should fear your God. And let your brother live with you, meaning if you're going to be letting on the interest, he's not going to be able to survive. Now, it says, Rava, what the passage is telling you is return the interest money to the guy that borrowed from you that he could live with you Now on that says Ravah It's only for the lender that the Torah is warning to give the money back For the son the Torah is not warning, that's why It's not because the Rishos is No, they're the same Rishos as the father but since they didn't lend it they don't have the responsibility. It's only the lender himself that the Torah is saying has to give back the money now, that explains the Gemara, that man, the master in law, the one who learned Rabbi Abraisa which is like the way Rav Adaba had learned it, so and for sure he would learn Ram Mahometh's inference in the halach of HaMishnah, as we said in the previous stuff, because there, in, essentially in the halach of HaMishnah, there is no other reason to exempt the Yerushim from giving back the stolen money besides the reason of, because Roshas Yerush is like the Roshas because besides the fact that there's Yish, that wouldn't allow them to hold on to it like the father can, it's only because additionally now it changed domains, that's why. Because actually the only other way you could interpret the halach Mishnah is if you start making chesur mechstur, that there are words missing, which is how Rava does it, which he says that, oh, it doesn't really mean hinich lefneim, it means hinich lefneim, and, but now the gzela is not here anymore because they ate it, that's when patur melechon, but if you don't add on any words, then it sounds like that the gzela is still around. So therefore, how can you understand that the Yerushim are exempt? must be, it's like Yerushos Lekech. So if you say Rame B'chama's halacha in the b'raisa sure you say it in the mishnah. Now, however, according to those, as we said in the previous stuff, that learned his halacha on the halacha of our mishnah, but we could say that in the halacha, the b'raisa, that he says that you don't have to return the ribis, actually, Rame B'chama Kurava masnil. Actually, you could say that Ram B'chama was like rava, not like, in other words, that the halacha, the b'raisa could be, Ram B'chama would agree to rava, that it's because of the reason of the Pasek, that the Pasek says that it's only that the father who lent the money has to give back the money, but the inheritors don't have to. That's the reason the price. in other words, maybe Ram Muhammad would agree to that. It's only in the Mishnah, there really is no other way to interpret it unless you start changing words that Ram Muhammad wasn't noches to, wasn't agreeable to. But in the of the Braith, maybe he would agree to Rava that the reason would not be inferentially because it's kishos lekech, it's because it's a custom that only the father has to, and not the Yershin. Continuing on these halachas, Tarban if Someone robs and feeds what he stole to his children. Petur meaning then the father's dead. The Yerushim are exempt, although they're the ones that consumed it. Now he but if he left it, left it in front of them, so then chayav If they're adults, these inheritors, then they have to pay this back what's still around to the victim, which as Rashi points out. According to Bacham, you have to say that this is talking about before Yish. Because if it's after Yish, then he would explain Allah the of our Mishnah that even if it's still around, even if they're adults, it doesn't make a difference because you have Yish and Shin So obviously you would have to be saying that it's talking about before Yish. Whereas according to the other interpretation, that of Rava, that's not difficult. Actually, he learns the whole Allah of the Mishnah that they're exempt only if it was already eaten. But if it's around, then you would have to go ahead and pay that back. But that's only if they're adults. But if they're minors, then they're exempt from paying it back, even though it's still around. The reason being is because they're not people that you could take to court, even if it's around. Because even though it's here, but you're, you're not able to go ahead and claim it from them and collect from them, as the Gemara will shortly explain, because this Tana is like Sumchis, who holds that minors are exempt from being able to claim from them anything in court, even though the stolen money is right there. Now, moreover, says the Baisa, even though we said that by adults, they have to pay, if it's still around. But if the adult children say, We don't know the calculations our father had with you. In other words, maybe our father paid you up with money, although this is your stolen object. But maybe he paid you back away with money. So then, Then, if they make such a claim, they're going to be exempt. But Shikmar asks, Because they say, we don't know, then they're going to be exempt? In other words, since they know that this is for sure the stolen object that their father stole, then you have what's called halacha bari v'shema. The victim says, this is for sure what's owed to me. And they're saying, maybe. Halacha, that is always bari adif. The definite claim is the better one. So why if they say, we don't know, maybe our father already had this with you in court and he paid you monetarily, why would that exempt him? So rather, Amar Rav, he says, this is what the words of the B'raishah are saying. That if the adults say that although the words are in on and they're saying, what, in on Yudayin, we don't know? It's really saying that rhetorical meaning, we do know. We know the calculations our father had with you. And that is and he didn't leave over anything of yours by him, and he paid you back already. Although this is what he stole from me, he already paid you back in money. Then, if they made such a claim, then even by adult children, they'd be betrun, they'd be exempt because that's a, that's a valid claim to say that their father already paid up. In a different price. Again, the same halacha from our Mishnah. Someone robs and feeds what he stole to his children. So again, as we said, betrun Sham, they're exempt from paying because they don't have to, they didn't, they're not the ones who stole, they don't have to pay up. Now But if he left it in front of them, and then he died, and then after he died, then they ate it up, then ben gedolim ben then whether they're adults or minors, then they do have to pay that back to the victim, to the original guy who was stolen from. But Shigmar asks, mi Are minors liable? The most it could be is that there would be like a mazik, someone that damages someone else's property, meaning even if, let's say, they would go into the victim's courtyard and go ahead and break things, even then, the Gemara's question is, would minors be liable? But I already learned in the Mishnah that says that when minors injure other people, they're exempt. So here where they ate it, who's going to force them to pay it up? How are we making them liable? If, even if they went directly to his property and broke things and ate it, we still wouldn't make them liable. For sure not here in this case where it's what the father left over them and they ate it up. So Amr Papa, rather, he says, again, similar to the amendment of Rava and the Bryce, it says, Hachikama. This is what the Bryce is saying meaning although the words are that it says it doesn't mean that they ate it is that, and they ate it it's the father left it over them and they didn't eat it yet that's what Allah is saying then, whether they're adults or minors they're going to be because since what was stolen is still around so it's still in the domain of the original owner now as Rashi points out this is going like Rabbanu who disagree with some and therefore you can't ask this price on the previous price, which said that only adults are chai and ma patr, because that's like Sumchis, who says that you can't take minors to court. But this is going like Drabun who so said that no, whether adults or minors, since it's what's was stolen is still around, then you have to go ahead and give it back to the original owner. Another haloch, Amarava, says, Let's say similar to the case of Amishna, but wasn't stolen. Father borrowed a cow and then he died. Now, it was still during the duration of the borrowing term of the cow. So it says, First of all, they could use it for the rest, the remainder of the time that they had borrowed it for. Moreover, If the cow dies, the children are not liable for the the things which were beyond their control, because they didn't accept responsibility for the loan. Their father did. Their father died, so they could use it, but they're not like a Shail is. And third of all, let's say they thought that this cow was their father. They didn't know the father borrowed it. Now they're orphans, they need food. They slaughter and they ate it. So they compensate the original owner, the value of the meat, in a cheap way. Meaning, every Zuz we qualify only with four donkey on the Zuz. Which, that's what we mean when we cheap rate is, which means say two-thirds of the money. Now the reason why they don't have to pay for all the value of the ox that they made the original owner lose is because had they know that they're going to have to pay someone back for what they're eating now, they would never have eaten the meat. So essentially their liability is not for that of mazik because they didn't intend to damage, they didn't even know they shouldn't be liable, rather it's for that of the benefit that they had, which that's always qualified as bezayel, as two-thirds of the money. And the hard, which is still around, that of course they give back as it is to the original owner. And finally, the fourth halacha says, Rava. It's a but if their father left over properties, which is what's always called then they do have to pay back to the nihzel. Now, ikedemasna those who learn this last halacha that says but if their father left over then they're That those who learn that as a qualification of aresha, going back on the second halacha. We said that if the animal dies, then they're not chayiv and And that is what the fourth halach is qualifying and saying. But if their father left over land, then they are going to be chayiv to pay back the liability for the animal that died through an Inus. And the reason being is because the father's properties were mishubed as collateral already from the moment that he took the loan when he had borrowed the cow. Now, the reason being is because according to this first version, Ravah holds that the liability for einsin of a loan happens from the moment that the loan is taken, from when he borrows the cow. Which that, as the G'mab will explain, disputes Rav Papa, who says later on that the liability of Einson on the Shail is only at the moment when the ointzen happens. It doesn't start when he borrows it, it happens when the inus. According to this first version, Ravah disagrees with the Papa, and says, no, it's from the moment that he borrowed it, and therefore the father's nechasm already has that shibur on it from the moment that he borrows it. So therefore, in that case, when it dies by itself, they would be chayev. Now, the those who actually learn the fourth halacha that's qualifying, that if he has karka, that then they are going to be chayev, on the, on the third halacha, meaning when they slaughter it and they eat it, which the, the Rav had said, that, oh, they only have to pay deme basa b'zal. How much you'd be able to get meat cheap? And that is what the last halach is qualifying and saying no, but if their father left over land, then they have to pay the full amount of the meat. The reason being is because they take the place of their father, and since they ate it, so then they have to pay it because now they take over the father's estate with his land, so now they have to go ahead and pay it. But not, as the Gemara will explain, not if they just died by itself. So the Gemara explains la the one who learns the qualification of the fourth halacha on the Resha, on the second halacha, which when the animal dies by itself, that you chai well na For sure they would hold that you're gonna be liable if there's karka on paying the may basr, that it doesn't have to be zeal, that you have to pay the more expensive price, because if when it happens by itself they're liable, for sure when they did it actively by slaughtering. And moreover, as we mentioned before, Pligidra Papa, this first version of Rava that is going back on the Resha would be disputing Rav Papa, where Rav Papa, as the moral shortly explained, holds that the liability only happens at the time of the Oynas, then the father's not alive anymore, and the Sheba of His Karkar is only when he's alive. This halacha of Ravah holds it, it is when he's, it happens from the moment that he borrows it. Now, whereas man la la'asefer, the one who learns his qualification only on the halacha of the sefer, meaning when they slaughter it, only then are they chayv. Avala resha, but in the resha, in regarding the second halacha, when it dies in a normative way, it's just that's what an Oynas is, it dies by itself, beyond the person's control, then, light. then we don't say that the father's properties were Meshobit. And the reason being is because, according to the second version of Rava, the liability of Ainsen on the shell doesn't happen until the moment when the Einus happens. Now, here when the Einus happens, when the animal dies, the borrower, the father is not around anymore. And moreover, the children didn't take responsibility. <clears throat> so then actually there's not going to be a liability for ainsen. And this second version is like Rapapa, because the Amra Papa he says, let's say Haisab Someone had a cow that was stolen by him. In other words, he stole a cow on Erev Shabbos. Then the next day on Shabbos, he slaughters the animal. So says Papa, Chayev, so this Ganov is going to be Chayev, forget about the principle, but even for the what's called Dalad Vehey, because when you slaughter an animal that you stole, you Chayev for Dalad V'Hei. Now, why are you Chayev? Shekvar Chayev because he was already liable for the theft of the principle, Already on Friday, before that you came to the Iser Skila of slaughtering on Shabbos, which is the Iser of slaughtering of, the, of one of the Malachas on Shabbos. Now, moreover, explains Rashi, that even though the knas of dalad vehe doesn't happen until when you actually slaughter on Shabbos, which at the same moment that you have Skila for slaughtering, the person is going to be also be for the dalad vehe. That does not exempt the knas because at the same act you're going to get, the person will get a chiv misa because as the Gemara says in that lamed b'alama beyes, knas is a khidish. Meaning to say, really you shouldn't, it's not a regular monetary law that it's for what you did that you get back. It's a penalty that Torah does and therefore even, that's why it's more stringent, even if the person gets killed for that act, he'll also have to pay for the knas of So the Gneva for sure, there's no because that was at a different time, that was on Friday. The Chiv Misa was on Shabbos. And even though with the Chiv Misa there was Shabbos, you'll be, the person will be chai for the Now, however, says Rav Papa, let's say he had borrowed the cow on Friday. And then he slaughters it on Shabbos. So then then he's going to be exempt from everything. And the reason being is because we don't say, and that's the critical feature that we see from our papa, we don't say from the moment that he borrowed it, already at that moment is when he became responsible for the principle, and that it's his even in regards to the angel of death, meaning that he's chai for all at that point. No, it's only at the time that he slaughters it, that it's considered that when he becomes responsible for it, that he's as if he stole it. Oh, and therefore, is what turns out is that the moment when he's violating the Isav Shabbos for slaughtering, it's at that moment that he's slaughtering, that he's, that he's stealing it for, for slaughtering, and therefore he's exempt from the principle because that's what's called, you can't have a Chiyav Misa and a Chiyav Maman at the same time. Now, more of a Rashi says, in this first and, and primary interpretation, there's also not going to be the Knaas. The reason for that is because, in this case, we're talking about a Shail. first case, we're talking about a guy who stole it. The halacha is that the halacha of kefal or daud vehei only applies either by someone who steals from the, uh, an owner or by a shem echinam who is watching for free, who wants to exempt himself with what's called tain tain He's making a claim saying, Oh, I'm part by gneva It was actually stolen from me. And it turns out he was actually lying and he swore falsely to that effect. But by a shayel, a bar, which the case we're talking about, or even a nice ezach or a seich, a guy who's getting paid to watch or a guy who's renting. There, they can never exempt themselves with tain Ganev because there actually would be chayiv who was stolen anyway. So what's the claim there was stolen? And therefore, they wouldn't be kaful. As the Gemara says many times, as in for example, Dab nun zayn that says no. If you say b'shem echinim, when it's contrasting where he could pay kaful in contrast to shem Sacha, because he can never have the payment of kaful because he doesn't have the exemption of tain Ganev. and hence there is no liability for Da'al because by shoyl anyways there's no tain Ganev. And moreover, there's not going to be chayiv even for the karen, for the principal, because at the moment when he slaughters it on Shabbos, when he's chayiv de Issef and Skelah, then at that same moment is when the chayiv geneva comes, because again, you have Papa holds, which is like the second version of Ravah, that it's the liability for aint, is only at the moment when the aint happens, which in this case is when he slaughters it, when he destroys it, not at the time when he borrowed it, and therefore in that case, the children would not be chayiv in the second halacha of Rava, which is when it dies by itself. It's only when the third case, which when he slaughters it, that's a case where then they're doing it actively. That's when, if the father left over, then the children would be chayiv. Now the Gemara continues with halachas relating to the halach of HaMishnah. The pasuk says in the that one who stole should return the theft which he stole. Now, what's the Pasachot in which he stole? If you're returning the theft, obviously it's what you stole. Says the Braisa, what it means to say is, he has to return it if it's as if it was when he stole it. In other words, if it's still around, then he has to return it, but if what he stole is not around, then it actually is going to be exempt. Now, as Rashi points out, obviously that cannot be told by the guy who stole it himself, because if it's not around, then he's like a Mazik, then he has to pay the monetary value. It must be talking about the children. Now, this is obviously important, as we taught in the previous. Tav would be telling the Machlekes with Rambachama, if it's only after Yish, or even before Yish. But the point is that the children, if it's not around anymore, are going to be exempt. So it says, It's from here, from this pasuk, from this halacha that we taught, the halacha Na Mishnah, ha is of, if someone robs and feeds it to his children, Petur Melashalom, they're exempt from paying. Again, because it's not Asher Gazel, it's not Kane Shegal, it's not here anymore. And that again, halacha only applies an exemption to the children, Either because of what you have is Yish and Shin reshus, or because it's not around anymore, but the, 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 the objective of this Allah is telling us that there's an exemption for the children. But, of course, the father is going to be chayiv. Now, but he ne'ich left name, says the bride, but if he left it in front of them, then Begidol and Begitam And then, whether they're adults or minors, they are going to be Chayev. And again, that's the important feature, depending if we're talking about there's Yish and Shin Rishus, which again, that was the Machalikas we had previously, that there are those who hold that you would be Even if it's still around, but then they would be saying that Tomat before years. But if it's still around, then whether they're adults or minors, they're going to be chayiv. But in the name of sumchas, they said in this that we referred to before, which we said those two different prices, one was like the chacham, which said that whether Gedelm or are going to be chayiv if it's still around. And then the other price, the first price was, as we're quoting from here, in the name of Sumchus, they said, and by adults, if it's still around their hive, but if they're minors, they're going to be exempt, because, again, as we said, they're not people that could be taken to court. So even though it's still around, and essentially it's really owned by the owner, he can't go ahead and get it from them when they're minors. As Igmar illustrates with the following story, this Machleke is Sumchus and Chacham. Bar-cham The son of the father law of Reb meaning his brother-in-law, who is a minor, there was an open door in, the, in this miner's father's house, which he locked and he closed, and he didn't let Rabirmiya enter. The reason being is because Rabirmiya wanted to take possession of his father-in-law's house. Now, asle kamed above So came in front of Rabban. So Rabban said to him, Shallahu teveya. The child is claiming what's really his." So Rabirmiya said to him, "But for whom I seen this holiday, I'll bring witnesses. To that I already took possession of this house." when his father was still alive. And as Rashi explains, it's because Rabbi was claiming that the father had sold it to him or given it to him as a gift. So he wanted to kick out his minor brother-in-law and take it for himself because he said, I can't even bring witnesses that I, I had taken possession. I already bought this from my father-in-law. So Malayis, Reb responded to him. He says, what? Do we receive witnesses? You're saying you could bring witnesses. you think we receive witnesses? As we continue, not in front of a litigant, a minor is not someone that you could contest with. So who's around? How are you going to bring witnesses without, without the defendant? So on that, Rabbi Bimri said v'loy. Well, You don't? But V'katani, we learned, and this is the price that we just quoted, that the Chacham said, ben ben chayaven, that if the, what's stolen is still around, which here the house is around, then whether it's adult or minors, they're liable. So here, here's the house Is here. I bring witnesses. Why can't I go, even though the minors get my house from this child? So, so he answered back, Rabavin said, Look at that price you just quoted. Sumchis disagrees and he says that it's forbidden when it's a minor. So Amas Rabi sumchis." What? You double up the whole world and uh, everyone's going to uh, uh, join ranks with Sumchis to take it away from me. Who says that everyone holds like Sumchis that you're saying, quoting Sumchis, that I can't go ahead and litigate against my minor brother in law? Now, Adhochit the tells us, In the meantime, it, the word got around, and this discussion came in front of avo. So ama he said regarding this discussion, says Says didn't you hear of the halacha the Rav Yisro the said name The Rav Yisro he says tinik should talk about Vodav. If a child grabs his servants and he takes them with him to help him out, where he goes into his friend's field, va'amrani takes over the field, and says, says, this is my field. Says Rabbi Ishiya, we don't say we have to wait till this guy becomes an adult because, oh, you can't litigate with the minor, now he took over the field. It's his. No. You take it away from him right away. When he becomes an adult, then you'll bring witnesses, and then you'll see that if it's really his. But one thing that you see from this Allah, he wanted to prove is that we don't say like, some the minor. You the minor. You can't contest with the minor. No, like it was like Rabbi Mir said, what do you mean? You can go ahead and, you know, take over what's, what's really yours. And then when he becomes an adult, then you can go ahead and, and have it out with him. And that doesn't mean that you can't get what you need when he's a minor. But responds to that, meet dummy, is that a proof? Could you compare that halacha of Rabbi Isha to what we're discussing over here? Hasam over there in that case of where the minor goes into someone else's field... It's over there that we take it away from him because that child in that field doesn't have any a He doesn't have a, any pre existing claim to that field from his father. So, of course, then we'll kick him out and then we'll discuss and litigate with him when he becomes an adult. But where the child has, like in this case, in this house, chazaka he has a presumptive a possession of this house from his father, where a child inherits from the father. Now Rabbi is claiming that he bought it from him. They're There we don't go ahead and remove it from the child. And to the contrary, when the child becomes an adult, then Rabbi Yimri could bring his witnesses and then litigate with him. But up until then, we're not going to kick out the child because of Rabbi Nothing Now the continues related discussions, Omrash, says, which was related to this discussion they had before, which he responded above and says, What? Do you think we receive witnesses not in front of the Baldin? So it's regarding that Rav Ravashi said that we receive witnesses, not in front of the the, the, the other the other party. Which Toi Barbeekh wondered. Is that really true? Do you really accept witnesses not in front of the other litigant? How could he's not going to able to defend himself? How could you say that you bring witnesses without the other party there? So the Gemara says, that actually Ribi's Barchanina had received in tradition from Ib'ichan that how to interpret this halacha of Rivashi then actually it has to be talking about, not in a regular case, because of course in a regular case, the other party has to be there. Rather, it's talking about either either where the claimant, the plaintiff, was ill himself, and therefore if he doesn't get this done right now, he's not going to have any other opportunity. So therefore, if he could bring in witnesses, you've got to do it now. Or actually the witnesses that he wanted to bring, they themselves are ill, and they're in danger of dying. And therefore if he doesn't bring them now, even though the other party's not there, then when's he ever going to be able to bring them? Or if the witnesses had to leave, they had to catch a plane, they're going overseas, and they never, who knows if they're ever going to come back. And additionally, this last criterion is the other variable, is that they had sent for the other party, and they didn't come. So if they sent for him and they didn't come, and it's one of these three things, where you've got to do it now, because then... Now halacha is where, that's where Rav said that, that he could bring the witnesses even though the other party is not there. But of course, regular, you have to have the other party there. Again, also, Amr Avhid Amr Shmuel, he says the same halacha, you, you accept witnesses even without the other party there. On that Amr Ukva he also has to qualify this, he says, From me he was explained in the name of Shmuel, that of course it's not in general. Generally you need the other party there. But what he was when when did he say this Allah was going to if they had already opened up the court case. But and they sent for the other party and doesn't come, that's when you could go ahead and bring witnesses even though he's not there. But if he didn't if they didn't open up the court case yet, then Matzi Umali then actually the other party could say, I no, not I want to go to the Great Court of the Sanhedrin in Eretz Yisrael. and therefore then you can't force him, you can't bring witnesses without him without him being present. Now, that, if that's the case. Then, then why, if you say the reason why when you don't open up is because you could say, I want to go to the, to the to Eretz Yisrael to court, then you can't have witnesses without him in absentee. Then, Then even when you did open up the court case, he should still be able to say to the other party, I want to go to the great court, which has a higher standard. I want to go to the Supreme Court. And they could do that. So, what's the difference if you opened it or you didn't start the court case yet? And that Rabini explains there's one more variable, is de this Torah, where the other party is holding diska, a, a letters, mi ha Hagodlo, from the Supreme Court in Eretz Israel, who are actually saying that you could force him to go to court in Babel where you are. So, therefore, if they already opened up the court case, then he can't say he wants to go there because they already have letters from the Supreme Court saying we could do it over here. And then you could bring witnesses, even if he's not coming in absentee. But if you didn't start it yet, even with the letters, then you could still say, no, I want to go to the Supreme Court, and then you can't force him to bring witnesses in absentee. Related to Halacha, he says that you could validate a document also, previously we talked about, about receiving witnesses. So here he says a related concept, which is not witnesses themselves, but a document that the witnesses are signed on, you could validate that document even if the other party is not there. In other words, so if let's say have witnesses that are signed on a document that they wanted to travel overseas now, so the lender could bring them to court and they testify regarding what they had signed on that document, which was from five years ago, let's say, when the loan had happened. And now when they verify that it's true, that it's their signatures, then the court writes underneath that that we, the court, were an assembly of three people. And the, 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 these two witnesses came and verified that these are their signatures. And therefore, we validate and we say that this is a valid document. So you could do that even if the other party's not there. He disagrees. He says, No, you cannot validate a document if the other party is not there. Again, because he might be able to have something to say, which is very important for the, the verification or not of this document. Now, of he says, I'll explain to you the reason why I hold you can't even just validate a document without the other party there. Because Amakra the Pasuk, says a similar halacha, which Rabbi Yechon is comparing, says in the Pasuk in Shema'is, regarding a shar that's a mazik, with, that it gores with its, with its horns, so it says that if it does it three times, then, then it becomes a mood because you warned the owners of Eliy and they didn't watch the ox. now it's going to go from hazi nezik to nezik shalom. So Amrit Taira, what the Taira is saying is, al-Shari. let the owner of the ox be present there when his ox is being prosecuted, which means to say that when there's a court case relating to somebody else, he has to be present when you want to go ahead and be huad, which is edim, bevalav. he has to be present when you're being witnesses against him, and therefore he compares it to all other areas halacha. Also, even when you're just validating a document, when you want to verify witnesses, you need to have the other party there. Now, Amr Rav says, Hilchaz actually is. Then you actually could verify a document even if the other party is not there, where it's, again, it's not similar necessarily to the case of Sher That might be different, that then he has to be there, but regarding verifying a document, it doesn't have to be there. And moreover, says Rabba, even if that other party is standing and he's screaming that don't verify this document because it's a forgery. And even though this, these two guys are are testifying that this is our signatures and it's valid, we're not concerned for what he's screaming about. Now, but says Raba. But if he says nikituli zimna ademaisina sahadi umirani lel he says, "Wait, wait for me. I'll bring witnesses who will be able to show that this document is has a flaw and that it's a forgery." Then actually, then we do hold on for him. If he's just screaming, "Don't, don't, don't," he we says, well, "You have any proof?" If he says, "Wait, I'll get witnesses. I'll get proof," then we do wait for him. So, if he comes, he comes. If He doesn't come. So, we wait for him, what's called which stands for 2, 5, and 2, which is a reference to Monday, Thursday, and Monday. We wait a Monday, Thursday, and a Monday, which those are the days when the courts are, are present. So, we wait three times for him. If he doesn't come by that point, and he already didn't bring witnesses to verify that the document against him was invalid, so, so then after that, bahab. then we write a, a, a document of excommunication for him because he didn't pay up his debt, which is outstanding for him from this guy. So that's for a period of 90 days. Now, the Gemara explains, la the first 30 days of this 90-day excommunication, which he's just excommunicated for not paying up, but we don't let the guy yet collect from his properties, from his assets. The reason is the first 30 days we don't collect from him is because the amor because we could say that, okay, he might be busy trying to borrow money to pay up the debt. That's for the first 30 days. The, the middle 30 days of the 90 days, we also don't allow the, the lender to go ahead and collect from the guy's assets yet. Because the aimer, because we could say, okay, maybe he couldn't find enough money to, to borrow, to collect, to pay up his debt. And maybe now he's busy selling his assets to go ahead and pay up his debts. Now, now the last 30 days, we also don't allow to go ahead and collect from his assets. Because the aimer, we say, maybe actually the purchaser that purchased the land from the borrower who wants to pay up the debts, he doesn't have money to pay up himself to that guy to be able to pay up because he, he, although he purchased it, he doesn't have his own liquid. And therefore, he's trying to get money to pay him up, which all these periods are generally a period of 30 days. That's why we wait for 90 days. Now, that continues the Gemara. If Loy Osef, after the period of the shamta, of the excommunication of 90 days, he still didn't come, then kasvinan adarchasa anechsei. Then we write a judgment of a document that allows the lender to go into the assets, into the properties of the borrower, and to have it evaluated, and to collect accordingly for how much is owed to him. But says the Gemara, the imili Everything we set up until now that we do the 90 days and then we finally write the star that, that this guy could go and collect with is only if up until now he was saying, I'm coming. So therefore we gave him the Monday, Thursday, Monday, then we gave him the 90 days. But if from the beginning he says, I'm not coming, then right away we write against this guy for the ability for the guy to collect from him because the guy is in total uh, negating of the courts and then the guy could go ahead and collect from him. Moreover, another qualification for this halacha, this that we said, this whole halacha again, for the procedures that you can't right away collect from his estate, is only regarding a loan. A loan is something that, okay, first he was denying, then he said, okay, he's gonna, he doesn't have, and then he said, I'm, I'm going to go get, and he doesn't bring proof regarding that, to, to refute the document. So you give him time, again, maybe he's trying to borrow money, maybe he's trying to sell, maybe the, the buyer is trying to get money. Of, but by a deposit, then la alta Then, if he can't refute the document, then right away you write it for him because there it should be by you. What, 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 there's no, there's no like you need to get money. It's by you. And if it's not, it's your negligence. There, right away the guy could collect from him. In contrast to a loan, where he was allowed to spend that money. Moreover, says the Gemara, when do we write these documents against him? Is amakarkoi is only regarding land. But regarding movable items, then we don't. The reason being is because, Maybe then the lender is going to go ahead and consume this purported borrowers who he can't refute the documentation of his metatlant. Now, the problem is if we would write that the guy could go to his estate and even take movable items, because then if it's going to turn out that the borrower is going to come, and he's going to bring witnesses, Lilishtara will show that the documentation against him all in the beginning was a forgery. Now, the problem is, problem is, now he's not going to have anywhere to go back and get his stuff back because movable stuff, food and stuff could be consumed and used up. Land is the one thing that says the Gemara that we allow this guy to collect from. We give him documentation, you could take over his properties. But not movable things, because then if he's going to one day prove that your documentation was wrong, then he's he's not going to have where to get his stuff back from. Now, however, the Gemara does say, but if the lender himself has land, then then we write that the lender could go ahead and collect from the borrower's assets, even movable items. The reason being is because if it ends up being false, he'll have a way to collect from the lender to get his stuff back, not the movable stuff, but he'll take back the lender's land in compensation. But on that says the Gemara, it's not true. Wallahi. Not the case. We never write this documentation that allows the lender to go and take over the guy's estate on movable items. Why? Because even if the lender has his own land, we're concerned that maybe the land of the lender will get ruined and will be diminished from its value. So maybe now at the time it's like, okay, I want to collect $1,000, this guy owes me, and he's not, bringing, he's, he's not defending himself. They want to write him a documentation after 90 days to go in. You can't take movable items because even though he has himself land of $1,000, say, hey, if I'm wrong, the guy will take my land. Not true because the land might go down to 500 And he would have already consumed $1,000 worth of that guy, and this guy's going to lose. So to prevent that, we never let the lender, the creditor to collect from that defendant's movable things only from his land. Moreover, says the Gemara, when we do write this, uh, this collection uh, 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 documentation that allows him to take from that guy's estate, we notify the, the debtor, the borrower, that he's going to go ahead and go into your estate and take stuff. Now, says the Gemara, this that we have to notify him first is only if he's nearby. But if it's far, we, the court, are not responsible to have to notify him to say that you should just know that your lender is going to your estate and taking stuff. Now, however, says the Gemara, viimirchak. But let's say he's far, but they could crave him. But he has relatives, or inami, or ikashayarta Azli vasi There are caravans that go and come from the place where he is, although he's distant. Then, Then we do wait two months of the year. Until the caravans go and come back, which is because then we do give him time. Because if we're notifying him, then he might come to take care of the needs because he's going to hear this guy's come to take his stuff away. So then we give him 12 months because then maybe the, the relatives or the caravans will make it there. Meaning us, the courts, we're not going to go if he's far. But if there's relatives or if there's caravans, then we do wait two, 12 months. As the Gemara says, we actually find there was such an incident with Ravina. That he made Marachal, was this guy's name, who had a claim against his friend and the borrower was not in the city, he made him wait 12 months until the caravans went and came back from Beichazoi, which could notify the borrower and then giving him enough time to come back. Then after 12 months, then he'd go ahead and collect. No, that the Gemara actually says of Lahi. It's actually not the case. You actually don't have to wait 12 months to have the relatives of the caravans notify the guy. If he's far, he's far, we don't have to notify him, and we can go right away. Now, Hasan, but actually during that incident with Ravina, mar was an Inish alimahava. He was a strong-armed type of an individual, and that is, I have adarchas when, The moment he gets this Adar Chassa, which is this document that allows him to take away all the guy's stuff, Lahave they, we would never be able to get the stuff away from him. And therefore by him, we had to make, we, we, he made him wait 12 months so that it shouldn't be something inappropriate. But over here, meaning in general, we actually don't wait 12 months. Ella, Rather, rather if the agent of the court could leave on a Tuesday. And as Tyson says, because we assume that it's after that Monday, which we say you wait Monday, Thursday, Monday, that on that Monday when the court is in, 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 in court, then, they, they have that dintire. So on Tuesdays, when the agent could go out, then that guy could come back on a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, they could have the court case. Again, because on Mondays and Thursdays is when the courts are around, as Ezra was masakin, as we brought on the pay bays. And Merubah, only then would we go ahead and send someone. But if it's anything longer than that, we're not waiting 12 months. That instrument Ravina was different. That was because it was a very difficult person. If we would write it, we would never get it back from him. A related halacha, Amr Ravina says, This agent of the rabbis, meaning if the court sends somebody to give a subpoena to somebody to come to court, and this guy comes back to the court and he says, This guy doesn't want to come. Says Ravina, We believe him like two witnesses, and that is he doesn't lie in the court, and therefore we can go ahead and execute based on that, which is, says the Gemara of that's only for the first halacha, which is the excommunication, which is for the first 90 days. Of but to write a documentation of excommunication, meaning it's only for the actual excommunication, but to write a document of excommunication, now the significance of that is because when you want to permit somebody from his shamta, you don't permit the excommunication until he gives a zuza, a coin, to pay for the services of the cipher, of the, of the court scribe. Now, since for that halacha, this shlich bezin, would be making that guy lose money because the kabbayla lelamesa leizuzes In that situation, to undo that the excommunication when it's written in the document, he's going to have to pay azuz to the to the scribe. Then life for that we don't believe. Meaning to excommunicate him, yes, but monetarily to create a loss that we don't believe one one person that would have to be with two witnesses. Another halacha He says Yavin and Zimna. We can go ahead and subpoena. A, a, a party to a court case to come to court on a certain day, a puma itza, based on a woman, if let's say she's going to that place, we can send a subpoena with, with her, or a puma di shivavi through that guy's neighbors. And we can rely on them that they're going to do the agency that we're sending them to. And therefore, if that person doesn't come on that, on that designated day, so we could assume that he doesn't care about the court, and we could excommunicate him based on the agency we gave to the woman or to the neighbor's now, on that he qualifies and says, but lo we didn't say this, il only if that guy who is being subpoenaed is not in this city. So that, in such a case, where he tells the neighbors, look, when he comes around and we notify him that he's, he has a court date, that's when we said that we could rely on them. But as we continue on to top of, But if the guy is in the city himself, then loy, then we cannot excommunicate him based on the woman or the neighbors that we told him to tell him, because it could be they didn't do what we asked them to do. Why? Because I mean we could say, Maybe they didn't tell him. Why? Because the army they said, the woman or the neighbors, Probably the court agent already found them and told them. And they just sent someone else to go ahead as a, as insurance policy. That's why they asked me to do it. But since he's in town, they probably found him anyway, and therefore they maybe never told him. And therefore, there's no reason, there's no valid grounds to put him in sham, to excommunicate him. Moreover, Man, we also didn't say our halacha elderly khalaf above the beidina. Only if this guy on his way back home, he's not going to be passing through the entryway of where the court is. Then we rely on the neighbor or the woman but if he's going to be passing by where the entry of the courts are then we don't rely on the neighbors because Amri they probably say oh, probably on his way home he probably the courts saw him and they probably notified him and therefore maybe he didn't tell him and moreover says the it's only if the guy who's not in the town now so they told the neighbor or the woman to tell him and we rely on them it's only if the guy came home that day but if it didn't come on that day, then we don't rely on them to go and put this guy in next excommunication communication if he doesn't come to the court on that day that he was subpoenaed. Because we could say very simply, they forgot their agency that they were told before this guy ended up coming back home because he came back two three weeks later. They didn't recall. And again, therefore, although we could lie on the woman or the neighbor, it's only if it's that he's not in town, it's that if when he's coming back, he's not going to be passing by the courts and more that he's coming back that day. But if not, then we could say that maybe they didn't go ahead and execute on that and tell the guy that he had a court date and therefore you can't excommunicate him if he doesn't show up on the day of the court case.